coming up on Philosophy Talk. We live now in hard times, not end times. Disagreement. And we can have animus and not be enemies. What do I do if I believe something and reasonable people disagree with me? Isn't disagreement sort of puzzling if both parties are intelligent and informed? Honest disagreement is often a good sign of progress. We find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't. We are divided between those who think with their head and those who know with their heart. There ain't no good guy, there ain't no bad guy, there's only you and me and we just disagree. If I believe you're wrong, can I still believe you're reasonable? Our guest is Jennifer Lackey from Northwestern University. Disagreement, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, disagreement. Well, Ken, disagreement is very important to philosophy. It's the sort of thing that keeps us going. But what's the problem about it? I mean, paper tablets and ballpoint pens are important to philosophy, but they don't present any philosophical problems. Well, not, it's not just in philosophy. It's in all realm of life that disagreement is important. Think about it. I mean, think about you and me as an example. We're both reasonably uh, well-educated, fairly intelligent, pretty perceptive, not neurotic, hard-reasoning philosophers, yet we disagree about a lot of things. Why shouldn't we agree about everything if we're both so intelligent and hard-reasoning? Well, here's a hypothesis that might strike you as ever so slightly arrogant. Sometimes you make mistakes. For example, when we went to dinner the other night, you told me that lima beans tasted good. Clear mistake. Lima beans taste terrible. So you make mistakes, and thus we disagree. End of mystery. Well, John, that is a little tiny arrogant, but it's also a bit misguided, because think about it. When I said that lima beans taste good... I wasn't reporting a fact. I was reporting about lima beans. I was ex just expressing my own enjoyment of them. I was expressing the attitude of loving lima beans. If you say they taste bad, you're just expressing your lack of enjoyment in eating them. So, And there's no real incompatibility between my liking lima beans and you're not. So there, there's only the appearance of disagreement. Well, I agree. That's a good point. So we can say that we only have real disagreement when two people hold opinions that cannot both be true. Right, and just because we use sentences like lima beans don't taste good or lima beans do taste good that negate each other, it doesn't mean that we really, really disagree about any facts. Well, given that distinction, maybe we can clear up a lot of things in philosophy. Maybe there's less disagreement in the world than people think. Take abortion. It's sort of puzzling because intelligent people look at the same facts about procreation and gestation and birth, and they draw opposite conclusions. But maybe the conclusions really aren't opposite. Maybe one party is saying, abortion, we really, really disapprove of that. And the other party is saying, abortion, yeah, it's not so bad. There's no real disagreement, just different taste. Well, there is a view in metaethics that says, yeah, that's when we talk about what's right and wrong. We really are just expressing our own attitudes of approval or disapproval. And if that's right, then there aren't really facts 
crux of the matter about whether abortion is objectively morally wrong. That's a great issue, John, but, but what, it's not what bothers me about disagreement, about real disagreement. I'm worried about the case where it's clear, there's clearly a factual matter at stake, and there's real disagreement between equally knowledgeable, equally reasonable people. That's what I'm worried about. Well, now, a few moments ago, I was pretending to be arrogant, uh, but isn't a certain amount of arrogance really inevitable? Suppose you and I are hiking in the forest and we both see a tall tree. I say it's a redwood. I think it over. I look at the bark. I look at the leaves. Maybe it's not totally clear, but that's my conclusion. You do the same and you say it's a cedar. Now, this is a real disagreement. At most, one of us is right. Now, I say it's a redwood because that's my belief based on my reasoning. I can't be very well guided by your belief. That's not really arrogance to base what we say and do on our own beliefs. Well, wait a minute. But just look, suppose we're both, we both have an equally clear view of the tree. Suppose we're both reasonably well-educated about trees, although neither of us are an expert. Right? Shouldn't my belief at least provide some additional evidence for you? I mean, that, and that might lead you to revise your belief, and it might lead me to revise mine. I'm not saying that we each should definitely change our beliefs, but we each should at least rethink the amount of confidence we have in our beliefs in light of the fact that another well-placed observer with equal evidence and equal reasoning capacities disagrees with your conclusion. Well, that sounds superficially plausible and very friendly, right? Why can't we all just get along together? But I don't quite see it. I mean, if I considered the tree carefully, I looked at the bark, it looked like redwood. I looked at the needles, admittedly they don't like quite look like redwood, a little bit like cedar, but I put the evidence together and I come to the conclusion it's a redwood tree. And you did the same, same evidence. Now, if I take your view into account, I'm really just taking the same evidence I've already considered into account again and weakening the conclusion. What's rational about that? But it's not the same evidence. It's not the same evidence at all. You're adding the evidence that I came to a different conclusion. Think of it this way. We're both kind of fallible tree tracking devices. We're both kind of fallible at getting at the truth about trees. You came to your conclusion that it was a redwood tree. That was based on the device nearest at hand, your own fallible mind. But now you take into account the result of a different device, my mind. If If the two devices agree, well, then, okay, that's good. But if they disagree, Well, we've got a problem because they're equally good trackers of the tree. Well, maybe there's more here than meets my eye. Luckily, we have an expert to help us think through disagreement. Jennifer Lackey from Northwestern University. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Angela Kildoff, talks to a married couple who lives with disagreement every day. She files this report. There are also those who claim that our reform efforts would ensure illegal immigrants. This, too, is false. In Washington, disagreements are inseparable from partisan politics, yet things still get really ugly. Remember when Congressman Joe Wilson interrupted President Obama's speech? The reforms I'm proposing would not apply to those who are here illegally. Politics are divisive. It's not true. Whether the debate is across the aisle or across the breakfast table. That's where it begins for Joe and Carol McLaughlin. We have a fundamental political difference. I am a Democrat, and I do believe that we need the government to help us. I'm a conservative Republican, and I believe that government probably should try and help us. But when they do help us, the cost is too much or it's just simply too inefficient. 
These differences didn't become clear until after they got married. It was 1966, and Joe voted for Ronald Reagan in California's governor's race. We didn't speak for three days. More than 40 years later, the San Francisco couple still argues. This fall, Carol was quoted in a New York Times piece about political odd couples. And before that, they were mentioned in the Chicago Tribune. It seems like we're kind of dragged out every four years to, for political differences. <laughs> there is, of course, more to their marriage. Carol and Joe respect each other. They led successful careers, raised a family together, and are now retired. They have different strategies to deal with their disagreements. Joe became more conservative, more and more. And I uh, remained liberal, and I think that I just sort of stopped talking about it with him. Humor helps them navigate the political divide. I think that's probably as important as getting the facts right sometimes, which sometimes I don't. I, I don't admit it uh, as often until I have a microphone in front of me. And I appreciate that he keeps me centered. I find myself constantly running to the computer to Google something that he has said to make sure that it's accurate or <laughs> to refute it. Their debate is like a tug of war, and the constant questioning keeps them both honest. I question my opinions a lot, and so I'm often looking for answers for those questions. And Joe brings up points that make me question my opinions, and then I have to um, go back and reassure myself that my opinions are correct or change them. There should have been more changes in some of Carol's opinions over the years. I quite frequently find out that my position is wrong or incorrect or inaccurate. The car is contested territory, but it's one battle where Joe has surrendered. When I ride in Carol's car, we listen to her stations. And when she rides in my car, we listen to her stations. And when I ride in his car, I turn off Rush Limbaugh. But I don't ask you to ride or listen to that. I don't. I never do. I turn it off. Well, that's true. Although when he's in my car alone, he does turn it on, and he doesn't turn it off. So when I start my car, oh, I hear just it. That, just that little tiny bit of listening to certain stations might be of some benefit. None that I've discovered so far. <laughs> Carol rolls her eyes expressively as her husband talks politics. It would be a mistake for me to respond verbally because that would bring on a diatribe. <laughs> a torrent of facts might uh, emerge. One of his favorite sayings is, I don't let facts get in my way. And Carol has a way of sometimes relating facts as not the way they were or are, but how they should have been. That's I, very profound. Of course, you didn't make that up. I just made it up. <laughs> For Philosophy Talk, I'm Angela Kilduff. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.